Welcome to the waiting line for the drive through nativity of First Baptist Church Thompson. Or at least we're assuming that's the reason you've tuned in to this radio broadcast. It's because you're here in line, you saw the sign, and you want to see what this drive through nativity is all about. Now we promise that it will be worth the wait, and to help you fill your time, we thought we'd share a little bit about what you're going to see in a few minutes. That's right. My name's David Lambert. I'm the lead pastor here at First Baptist Church. And I'm Matt Ward. I'm his associate pastor. And we're honored that you would take one of your evenings to spend with us. So, how do we want to fill this time tonight? Well, let's start with a little bit uh, about music that we're playing on our broadcast. Oh, very good. In the background, you're hearing some top-notch Christmas carols played on acoustic guitar by Steve Ballman and Robin Bullock. They're just not some random guitarists. They're going to be here in concert on Thursday night at 7 o'clock doing a benefit concert for MANA. Everyone is invited. Tickets are $10, and all of it goes to MANA, which is our local food bank here in town. It'll be a fantastic night. We hope you can come back to hear them live. Let me also invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings. We've got special Advent worship services every Sunday morning of December leading right up to and through Christmas Eve. So join us at 1045 at First Baptist Church, or you can listen in on the radio at 101.7 FM. Uh, and invite you to come as well to the Christmas Eve candlelight service. That's going to be at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Come casual. Bring your family. We have a beautiful service with music, uh, candles, Lord's Supper. It's a great way to celebrate Christmas together on Christmas Eve.
So what might you guys want to know about this nativity? Well, how about some fun stuff? In just a little bit, you're going to meet the welcome crew. They've got hot chocolate, mints, and a booklet that will explain all the scenes from our nativity. Now, don't try to read as you go. We want you to turn off all the lights in and on your car so it'll be too dark to read. But when you get home and you've had a chance to think about everything you saw, please take a look at it. That's right. And we've added a neat section called What If It Happened Today to help put in perspective just how incredible this whole event really was. God must really, really love us if he would be willing to bring his son into our world in such a dangerous time and place. All right, what else can we tell you about our nativity? Well, you know, First Baptist Church has been putting on this drive-through nativity for 17 years and it started a lot smaller than it is now. Yes, I've seen pictures from some of the first years. Uh, the church members who made it happen had a very simple dream. They wanted to help our Thompson community remember what Christmas is really about. They saw how commercialized everything had become, how much it was getting all about presents and having parties, and how little of it was about Jesus, God's perfect gift to us. You know what's funny? Uh, you just told us a story in your message this past week about a pastor who had said that his town was also losing sight of what Christmas is all about. And he said that 800 years ago. It seems like losing sight of the real meaning of Christmas has been a problem for a long time. Yes, and the drive through nativity at First Baptist Church is just our small effort to help our community remember what Christmas is really all about. You said we started small. That very first year, we had four scenes, and the narration was done live. All the sets and props were borrowed. <laughs> I looked this up. The first time we had a budget line for Nativity was 2001, and that's the first year we rented animals. We paid $450 for the animals that first year. 
And let's just say the times have changed since then. <laughs> yeah, every year we've either added a scene, added new props, added a new set, or added new characters. Now, we are up to about a cast of 100 people. And that doesn't include all of the people who have worked behind the scenes to build the set, take care of the costumes, provide supper, direct traffic, give a personal hello to you, our guests. Adding all of these details is intentional. We want to recreate the atmosphere of the nativity as reasonably as we can here in Thompson. Having a large cast is designed to help you see how busy Bethlehem was during the time Jesus was born. Caesar, the Roman emperor, had called for a census, and just about everyone in the region that we call Israel had to travel at the same time, not to their hometown, but to their ancestral hometown. Yeah, now, Bethlehem was small, but there were a bunch of families from there, and some very important families. It was the hometown of King David and all of his descendants, and so that made it a hotbed for political protests against Rome, which means that the military presence would also have been pretty strong there. Lots of people, lots of soldiers, and one very pregnant young woman just looking for a safe place to have a baby. Yeah, Bethlehem wasn't such a quiet little town as the songs say, was it? But we hope your heart goes out to Mary while you see all of these people play their roles in the small town of Bethlehem.
Once again, welcome to the waiting line of the drive through Nativity at First Baptist Church, Thompson. My name is David Lambert. And I'm Matt Ward. And we're here to help you fill the time while you wait. And the wait is worth it. In just a little bit, you're going to get to our welcome team, and they have hot chocolate for you, as well as some instructions on where to go and what to do. The what to do is easy. You turn off your lights and follow the car in front of you around our drive through nativity. Now, it's best if you keep your windows down because we do have narration throughout to help set the mood. And helping set the mood while you wait is a little Christmas guitar music from Steve Bauman and Robin Bullock, who will be live in concert at First Baptist Church Thursday night at 7 o'clock. We want you to come back. Tickets are $10, but all of that money goes to Mana Ministries, our food bank here in town. And, man, that's just one of the Christmas events we have going on after the drive through nativity. We also have worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We'd love for you to come out. We'll be singing Christmas songs and having Christmas-based sermons and, and just celebrating Advent, that season of preparation as we await the birth of Christ. And then, of course, on Christmas Eve, we do our traditional Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock. It's a candlelit service. It's got beautiful music. Uh, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Come casual. Bring your family. It's a great way to spend uh, 30, 45 minutes or so on Christmas Eve. And we would love for you to come back even after Christmas. The First Baptist Church is a, a welcoming community of faith, and we've got a lot of programs for children and for teenagers on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You can check out more at www.fbcthompson.org.
So what else can we do to help you fill your time while you wait? All right, how about this? The three biggest questions about the real nativity. Hmm, I like the sound of that. What do you have in mind? All right, question number one. When did the original, the real baby Jesus nativity, when did it actually happen? Now, that's a great question. Well, according to the modern calendar, it happened on December 25th, 2017 years ago. But the truth is, we really don't know exactly when it happened. The Bible doesn't give us a date. It just gives us clues. And there's a good reason for that. I mean, while Jesus' birth is very important, the early Christians put a greater emphasis on his death and resurrection. In other words, Easter is a much bigger deal than Christmas. Okay, that makes sense. But so then where did we get this date from? Well, it was a couple of hundred years after Jesus was born, before Christian scholars started trying to determine when Christmas. And, and that word Christmas we can think of as what they called the day of celebration of Christ, which was usually on someone's birthday, so they needed to know Jesus' birthday. So, you know, again, it was just a couple of hundred years after Jesus was born before they really tried to figure that out. And it was about 400 years before church leaders settled on midwinter. As you can imagine, there was and is a lot of argument about what day Jesus was born. Okay, but is there a problem with calling it December 25th? Of course not. We know that Jesus was born, right? And we know that the Bible doesn't give us a date. So no matter what, we're going to have to make our best guess at a date. December 25th is a perfectly fine date. Okay, well that sounds good. Then what about the year? That's kind of a funny question. We really don't know exactly where the year came from. All of a sudden, about 525 A.D., this year one showed up. It seems to have been put there by a Roman historian who was ashamed of the persecution Christians had endured. And so he wanted to rewrite the entire calendar based on Jesus, not the old Roman gods. Unfortunately, he didn't leave any clues as to how he calculated when year one was. It was picked up by the church at that time and has been used ever since. Scholars today, based on what we know of the reigns of the different rulers mentioned in the Bible believe that Jesus was probably born a few years earlier than year one. Uh-oh. Does that mean we need to throw out all of our calendars? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> As with the date, we simply understand that because no one kept detailed calendars in the ancient Roman world, we're just not going to know exactly with 100% certainty when Jesus was born. But what's important is that we know he was born. And early church leaders understood that his birth was so important that it should change the way we measure time. And I think they're right.
All right, question number two, the innkeeper. So how about that mean old innkeeper not finding any room for a very pregnant and helpless young woman? Yeah, that poor innkeeper. He gets such a bad rep. If you listen carefully to our narration, he's called the kindly innkeeper. And here's why. Bethlehem was a very small town. Didn't have hotels, no Hampton Inn. Besides, the word used in the Bible doesn't even mean hotel. It just, it just means a place to stay. So here's what's happening. Just think of this. Bethlehem is going to be overflowing with people coming back for the census. Most of them are going to be staying with relatives who still lived in Bethlehem, maybe Great Aunt Ruth or somebody. And the rest are going to be staying in crude public shelters. Well, Joseph wanted someplace safe and private for Mary to have her baby. But all the rooms he would have had access to would have had other people in them. So this innkeeper wasn't some heartless individual. He actually understood what Joseph wanted for Mary. And he took them to a truly private and safe place for Jesus to be born. A stable for animals. It might not have smelled good, but it would have been warm and it would have been completely private. Really, we can think of the innkeeper as a good, compassionate person who went out of his way to help take care of Mary. Some people even think that this man took Joseph and Mary outside the town to a stable that was attached to a cave where they would have had a break from the endless noise of the busy town. Okay, one more question. What about these wise men? I've heard a whole bunch of different stories about them. Yeah, the We Three Kings, right? We even have names for them, Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. Well, the Bible doesn't give us some of those details that we've learned maybe through movies and other things, but we know this. They were important enough to God that he made sure they are mentioned prominently in the Bible. So these guys are a big deal. They're called magi, not kings. We can think of them as astrologers. But they were important and wealthy enough to travel a great distance with a caravan large enough to make King Herod take notice of them. They might not have been kings as we think of kings, but they had the power and money to be taken very seriously. Okay, that sounds good. 
But did they show up at Jesus' birth right alongside the shepherds? Maybe, but probably not. It seems more likely that the star appeared when Jesus was born, and that's when they left their home to find Jesus. So however long it would have taken to travel is when they would have arrived, and we don't know where they came from except far away to the east. The Bible says that when the wise men arrived, they found Jesus in a house. It seems that after the census hubbub had died down, Joseph and Mary moved into a house where they could raise Jesus peacefully. It seems that they didn't want to take any chances traveling back to Nazareth with a newborn, so they just decided to camp out in Bethlehem for a while. And that would mean that the wise men came late enough that baby Jesus was old enough to make the escape to Egypt safely. Now, we don't know when that was, but the wise men play a very important role in the story of the birth of Jesus. You know, if the shepherds represent how the good news of Jesus is for all classes of people, rich and poor, outcast, estranged, then the wise men represent how the good news of Jesus is for people from all over the world. Not just God's people, the Jews, but everyone.
Well, so that's an awful lot that we've learned about this nativity. Do you have any any big closing words that you'd like to leave us with before we loop this around again for uh, another group of people waiting in line? Well, first I just want to say thanks for listening, and I do hope you enjoy the nativity. When you get to the end of the nativity, after you see the manger scene with Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus, you'll notice back behind it lit up in the field a cross. And we have to always look at that manger in the shadow of the cross because the cross is the reason that Jesus was born. He was born so that he could die for you and for me. The Bible teaches us that when God made the world and made people, it was very good. We were perfect. We had perfect fellowship with God. But we believed this ancient lie that God wasn't good, that he didn't really love us, that somehow God was holding out on us and that we could forge our own path and decide for ourselves what was right and wrong. And the Bible calls that sin. And because of our sin, we've lost that relationship with our holy and loving creator God. But because he is a loving God, he wasn't content to just leave us alone to our own devices. And so he began a plan right there in Genesis chapter 3. And he carried that plan through the entire Bible. It was all about preparing and leading up for what we're learning about tonight, the birth of Christ. When God himself stepped out of heaven and became a baby. And he lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. He kept all of the laws of the Bible completely perfectly. And he died on that cross, taking our punishment, bearing our shame, dying for our sins. And then three days later, he rose from the grave victorious. And because of that, you and I have the opportunity to put our faith in what Jesus did for us. And we can receive, free of charge, the grace of God. To be forgiven, to have our sins washed clean, to be given a fresh start. And all that's required of you is just to acknowledge that you are a sinner and to ask for God's grace through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross to come upon you, to forgive you of your sins, and to commit your life from this day forward to following after Jesus. Not in your own strength, but in the strength that God will give you by his very spirit. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can just pray a simple prayer, something like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know there's nothing I can do to make right my sin against you. So I come to you because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Come and live inside of me and help me to follow you. I want you to be my Lord, my Master, and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. Amen. If you pray something like that in your heart, and you mean it, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, to be forgiven, and to live for him, the Bible says that you are saved. And I would love nothing more than to hear from you that because of this nativity, you gave your life to Jesus. So please, uh, tell somebody uh, as you're driving through, the hot chocolate people, and I'll likely be there myself, or the guys at the end and say, hey, I just want you to know that because of this tonight, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. And, of course, you can call us or visit us online at First Baptist Church and learn more about what to do now that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming and being a part of our nativity, and we pray God's blessings upon you.